Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Loved As You Are, an Ignatian podcast with me, Gretchen Crowder. I don't know about you, but I have been busy so far this fall. I've been getting myself situated into a new semester of ministry, teaching, and taking classes myself as well. I decided in early August to go back to school once again and enrolled in Loyola Chicago's Graduate Certificate in Spiritual Direction. The courses are all online, so like every time I record with guests, I'm also setting up twice a week in my closet to learn from some wonderful professors and some incredible fellow students about spiritual direction and human interactions. It has been life-giving so far, but now that I have my feet underneath me again, I'm excited to be back here with you sharing another one of my wonderful conversations. This week, I bring you my conversation with Tam Lontok, who was introduced to me by one of my previous guests, Jen Coito. We met for the first time in this conversation. Rooted in Ignatian spirituality, Tam Lontok is a trained and certified international spiritual director, lifestyle photographer, Sisters of Notre Dame associate, and is completing her last year as an Anam Kara apprentice at the Sacred Art of Living, with an emphasis on the art of spiritual eldering. Tam was Jesuit educated in Los Angeles at Loyola Marymount University for her undergraduate and graduate studies. She writes regularly and serves on retreats with Christus Ministries, an outreach ministry for young adults and families to develop a prayer life, a discerning heart, and a collaborative way of serving and growing in their faith. Tam resides in Los Angeles, California, with her husband, Greg, and her daughter, Ollie. This was such an incredible conversation, and it explored new avenues on the topic of being loved as we are. I know you're going to enjoy it as much as I did. So, here we go.
welcome to the podcast, Tam. It's so great to have you here. I just introduced you to my listeners, telling them that, in fact, we've never met before this moment, that one of my previous guests, Jen, connected us. So this is the first time that we're having a conversation. So I'm really excited to talk to you and get to know you tonight. So once again, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Gretchen. I'm looking forward to connecting with you right now. Yeah, and I know that this podcast episode is not about this, but I want to mention just how beautiful your pictures are. I went on your photography website and was like looking around and on your Instagram and they're just so amazing. Like it's such a wonderful thing when you have that gift of being a photographer. I know as a parent, I always want to have that gift when I'm taking pictures of my kids and stuff, but you truly do. And so I want to make sure to mention that up front and if that make sure my listeners check that out as well, because that's one side of your vocational life. How did you get into photography? Honestly, it started off as a hobby mm-hmm. and it, and I started shooting and I was captivated by it. And with photography and spiritual direction for me, it's allowing myself to have the best seat in the house of people's lives. And that's why I do it. Witnessing these milestones and it became a business after that. Yeah. And it's amazing when you can capture like the real moment that's going on and not just like some posed picture, but what what's actually happening. So that's really awesome. Thank you. But the other side of your working life, your vocational life is as a spiritual director and a, a Namkara Prentice, if I said that correctly, can you tell our listeners a little bit about those two things? So Anamkara, it's with the Sacred Art of Living. It goes hand in hand with spiritual direction. Mm -hmm. And it's accompanying others through all facets of life. And with my Anamkara program, I'm at the end of it right now, Mm -hmm. the final year. And I'm focusing on the art of spiritual eldering so that I can walk with others from hopefully the beginning to the end. Mm -hmm. So I'm just and also it's for myself too. Yeah. I just in week two of a spiritual direction program. And I'm noticing that every assignment, everything that I read, it's as much about learning how to do it for other people as it is about learning how to come in a closer relationship with God for yourself as well. Mm-hmm. And how long have you been doing spiritual direction? I've been accompanying others for a while through retreats, but I didn't start the program until 2017. And um, I started accompanying others one-on-one since then. And yes, I'm still continuing now and, and growing and learning for myself along the way while walking with others too. Yeah, it's such a wonderful and like hidden thing of uh, the church, of all sorts of churches, that there's this thing called spiritual direction where people can accompany you in your spiritual life. I know I wasn't aware of it until I started learning about Ignatian spirituality. And I just think it, as much as we can tell people that it's a thing that exists and there are people there to journey with you and your spirituality, the better it is. Yes. And it's, it's not only life-giving. It, well, it is, it's life-giving for me just seeing how God works in people's lives and, and reminds me how God is present in my life as well. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, we come to know ourselves better every time we hear another person's story and are able to get to know another person's perspective. So, yes. And then sometimes it's the same invitation for me where, yes, I still need to work on that myself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that's the best part, because if you're a spiritual director who assumes they have all the answers, then I don't think anyone would want to work with you. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm definitely on the journey. (laughs) Yeah. And that's why it's accompaniment, right? It's a, mm-hmm. it's being on the journey together. 
So I, I usually start the podcast and I've, I've kind of asked all my guests this at the beginning, who is God to you and how did you come to that understanding? For me, uh, when I think of who God is to me, it mirrors a similar question of what is love to me? Mm-hmm. How have I been transformed into love? How am I connected to everything that is? Or how am I in communion with the key people in my life, those around me and this world? And it reminds me of how I perceive love, elusive yet undeniably present, shaping my experiences and interaction. And like a good friend, God is a comforting presence that fills me with a sense of guidance, compassion, and purpose while taking me into a deeper realm of personal inner growth and interconnectedness, shaping my becoming. And just as an artist sculpts clay, God molds me and chisels away the rough edges Mm -hmm. to reveal who I am called to be within and be of loving service to my family, friends, and community and the wider world that brings meaning to my existence and draws me closer to the heart of what it means to be alive, connected, and loved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you said in your introduction that your relationship with God and even the way that you interact with your faith as a spiritual director and stuff are influenced both by the Eastern and Western traditions. How do you see that informing your idea of who God is, uh, the various like influences that you have? Well, especially with the Sacred Art of Living in the Anamkara program, it's an interfaith community. So I walk along with Catholics and other religions as well. And I've realized um, while accompanying others, it's just meeting people where they're at, where they are in life. And not, and it's asking the question, how am I growing in greater hope, love, and faith? Whatever that looks like and where the person is at. So yeah, I love I, I love how you helps. say you equate God with the word love because I think that's really a universal understanding of God if we really think about it deep down inside like what is our deepest connection with God and so when you connect with other faiths um I think you can you can have that point of connect with them that that we all have this understanding of of God is love and we can start there together and mm-hmm. figure out what else is in common. So when I first learned of this real connection of God as love, but also that God loves me, it was really through Ignatian spirituality. And you are also familiar with Ignatian spirituality. How did you first come to know Ignatian spirituality and what does it mean in your life? I first encountered Ignatian spirituality during my undergrad years at Loyola Marymount University through Father Tree Din, SJ, who I also now serve with within Christus Ministries. And he was a chaplain of the Bell Service Organization I was a part of. And I appreciate how he talked about faith in a relatable, personal, but also gentle way, especially coming from a public school setting where I had to be mindful of how I would speak about my faith. And Ignatian spirituality intrigued me as a way of approaching faith, life, and personal growth that aligns to my most authentic self. And it taught me how spirituality can be woven into everyday activities, relationships, and decisions. And one of the aspects of Ignatian spirituality that resonated with me most is the emphasis on discernment and how the approach has helped me navigate some complex life choices and allowing me to make decisions with greater peace and clarity. Another notable facet of Ignatian spirituality is 
the emphasis on finding God in all things. And this concept encourages a mindset of being rooted in gratitude and awareness and recognizing how God can be with us in the most joyful and challenging moments as well. Yeah, I bet you see that every time you are have the opportunity to photograph any sort of event in someone's life to see that opportunity of God showing up there through your pictures. I I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I assume that that's a connection for you. Yes. Especially with my photography work, I, well, in my portfolio, it's a wide range with from family shoots to weddings, engagements, maternity, but also lifestyle. And um, I also document funerals too. I remember having such a hard time shooting funerals until I saw the beauty of it, of a celebration of life. And it kind of shifted my lens in that perspective. Yeah, you know, I've been to a lot of funerals in my life and I never think, is there a photographer here? Like, is is there someone that is capturing this moment for the family? So it's very interesting um, for you to bring that up and for me to think, wow, that probably is something that people have present, but it's nothing Mm -hmm. that as a person sitting in the audience, you think about as a part of the celebration of the end of life, as well as all the other celebration moments in your life. Yes, I'm, I'm grateful to be able to do that kind of work. It's just so intimate mm-hmm. as well. And it's being with the person, sometimes I feel even with weddings, I end up being like a bridesmaid. <laughs> yes. <yeah. laughs> I have direct contact with the bride yeah. too. So it's a joy. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know if I could do it. I would find it uniquely stressful to try and see how could I find the right photographs to capture this bride's moment or this first um, birthday moment in the way that another person wants me to, as opposed to just the way that I see as a beautiful capturing, you know. But I like the the reminder that just as beautiful as a wedding is or as a first birthday is or as a baptism is, so is a funeral. So is that opportunity to say goodbye and that opportunity to really highlight someone's life. So that's incredible that you have that as one of your offerings in photography. Thank you. Is there a particular moment or story you can point to in your life where this understanding of being loved as you are became real for you? I I think it's it's a bunch of vignettes <laughs> that makes up a whole story and it's and it's usually done through the kindness and generosity of others and if I even had to go back to my earliest years where Father Joe Devlin he baptized me in a refugee camp in Thailand and his support to help my parents discern their choices of moving to America and waiting patiently for 11 months to have a chance to live in America and also being sponsored by a group of high school students too with John Reynolds and Peggy Olson leading them, getting my family just adjusted to living life in America when I was only six months old and taking us in under their wing, meaning uh, they found us an apartment, got my parents a job, how to speak English and connecting us with the community, they became pillars of support. And throughout my life, I can always recall on my mentors along the way, my spiritual small group uh, faith family, as well as serving on, uh, on Christmas ministries as well and on retreats. And 
all these people in my life have helped me grow and allowed me to see God in action. Now, you said you went to Loyola Marymount. Did you live in California your whole life from the first time that y'all immigrated here or have y'all moved around? We we were in Michigan mm-hmm. first with the family and uh, with our sponsors. And then we moved to California where I actually grew up in the Mar Vista Gardens projects in Culver City because my parents wanted to save money and support our relatives back home. And those years were especially tough since um, I remember in the 90s with the riots and shootings, I would pray and plead to God every night just for our safety and to get out of there. And I remember um, dreaming of attending to LMU. (laughs) I was only 10 years old and we would go to the beach every Monday and see the LMU sign across. And I would say to my parents, I'm going to go there one day. It was close enough, but I can, but I also saw it as a refuge. And I remember my high school counselor discouraging me to go because of finances, if I can even afford it. And a good friend, Nadia, she just said, you know what, just apply. There's scholarships and grants. And I did. And it turned out to be one of the most life-changing decisions. I met my husband, my mentor, and dear friends who helped me grow. (laughs) Yeah, one thing, and I didn't go to a Jesuit university, um, but I've been working at a Jesuit school for 17 years. And one thing I have learned to love about Jesuit schools is that they really want to help you. If you want to go, then they're going to figure out a way to make sure that you can go, right? And so it looks like you found the right the right university, especially and connected to the Society of Jesus, which is something that been connected with ever since. So, yeah, I'm so grateful when I look back at the stories mm-hmm. like, and how much the Jesuits have been influenced in my life yeah. since my baptism to LMU, all part of my resurrection story and. When you receive that kind of love, you can't help but respond in gratitude yeah. too. And it reminds me of how global the Society of Jesus is, that you know, they're interacting with people all over the world. And then those connections are, you know, connecting people from country to country too, which is so great. Because sometimes when you're here, you're just thinking, Oh, well, I know these Jesuits, or I've interacted with some people who work for the Society of Jesus around the United States, but really it's a global society and all the lay people that work for it as well. We we extend everywhere. So waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
what do you do in terms of helping yourself internal? Well, first of all, I'm not sure I asked you this question yet. I came on a podcast called Loved As You Are, an Ignatian podcast. What kind of attracted you to that that title? What inspired you to say, yeah, you know, I really, I would like to talk about that or I really connect with that idea? For me, I guess it, um, it goes back to a few years. I wrote a research paper in my spiritual direction program, and it's about the different attachment theories and, and how it could influence our relationship with God and faith. And what I realized while walking and accompanying others, too, is the lack of self-compassion that, that we all need <laughs> so that we can realize our belovedness and journeying with others. I find it where people are so quick to offer to it and extend kindness to others, but yet when it comes to themselves, they, they can be their harshest critics at times. And, and I noticed this, especially in the Ignatian discernment, where when I would ask them, hey, if you can bring in a friend that resembles you, and that friend comes up to you and asks you for advice, how would you respond? And they are so generous in that response. And can you imagine that being also to you? And it's that reminder to be kind and gentle with ourselves. And that's why when you said loved as you are, (laughs) it spoke to me where I think it's all inherent in being human. Yeah. And even, you know, as um, people like you and me who work with other people in retreats and in spiritual direction and in writing about these concepts, it's hard for all of us to remember this truth. I think part of the reason why I love interviewing people and talking about this is is a constant reminder to myself, like, no, 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 you said that this is the theme of your podcast. You said this is true. Remember it when you're being so mad at yourself for not being somewhere on time or for your kids not getting out of the house in time and your house being a mess and all of these things that God's still loving you as you are. So, yes, I I think of um, one, when I was a a mom for the very first time, one advice from a a girlfriend that I had that I still think of to this day when she said, when I can offer self-compassion to myself, I can learn how to be an example of Mm self-compassion for my kids. Mm -hmm. How are they going to learn self-compassion if they don't learn it from me? So I'm always reminding myself there's a mirror (laughs) watching me, but it's hard. But some days I'm, I'm not gentle as I would like to be. Yes. Yeah, I find I have to apologize to my boys often. Like, you just saw mom have like an adult tantrum in the car. This is why this happened. And I know it's not right. And, you know, and they're like, yeah, sometimes you just need to calm down. I was like, I know, I know. <laughs> so, yeah, I always think because yes. um, I have three boys, I always wonder, and I, I will only have three boys, but I always wonder what would I say to a mini me like another girl if I had had a girl like and she saw some because I think some of my times my boys kind of just ignore that or they're resilient to it but uh-huh. I know that if it were if I were raising myself I would be very aware of everything that I said to myself <laughs> um, and I don't know how I would would approach that and I don't know if you have a, a girl boys or yes I, I have a daughter yes yeah, she's seven years old and yes it's Yes. <laughs> it's been fun. It's been joyous. And, um, and it's, it's a reminder constantly where 
hey, how am I speaking to myself? What is she seeing? What is she emulating? And and to be aware. I know for me, I, I tend to be hard on myself. And when my daughter, when she draws a picture she doesn't like, I'm like, yeah. oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's okay. <laughs> she's like, no, mom, if you had drawn this, you would not think it was okay. <laughs> how do you help yourself remember this concept of being loved as you are I know that you you try through your spiritual direction practice to help others remember that but how how do you help yourself particularly when you're trying to remind yourself oh you know I have a little one listening like how do you try to remind yourself or what are some of the tools maybe that you've learned from Ignatian spirituality that help you do that for me one of the sustainable practices practice that I have incorporated for almost 15 years now is the awareness examine in the evening. And I now share it with my husband and, and daughter too. And it's nothing grandiose in terms of time. It's usually five minutes and our heads are on our pillows already. And we go over the questions. When did I see God? What am I grateful for today? And when did I fall short? And when we have more time or not as restless, <laughs> we also um, explore the following questions. When did I feel loved or not loved today? When did I feel a sense of belonging or not belonging? And when was I closest to my most authentic self or not my most genuine self today? And the following day, I usually have just probably five minutes in the morning to write down in my awareness exam journal to reflect on what I shared the night before and also to listen deeper as well. As far as um, midday practices, I I usually pause and it's uh, sort of like a a spiritual discipline of learning how to let go in the middle of the day and and just breathe and ask God to be with me. And one thing I incorporated lately was um, playing a, a new instrumental piece in the piano for five to 10 minutes as a way to disconnect and connect with my heart more so that I can be more in tune and kind of suspend my thoughts and just be with God at that moment. So yeah, other than that, it's reading books too in the evening and, and running. Running is also a, a source of uh, contemplation yeah. for me too. Yeah, it's amazing how sometimes <laughs> yeah. we think that like running or exercise is this additional thing that we may or may not have time for. But when we think of it as another way of prayer, another way of encountering God, then suddenly it's like, well, maybe we, we can make time for that because it kind of does both things, right? Yeah. In the awareness exam, and you mentioned identifying those times of feeling like you belonged and those times when you felt like you didn't belong. Is there anything that you say or do or talk about when you're thinking about, like, either you're thinking about your own moments where you didn't belong or someone in your family shares, oh, this is a moment where I felt like I didn't belong? How do you process that? Or do you just identify it as something to offer to God? So I usually ask those additional questions after the when did I fall short question, because sometimes my daughter just says, <laughs> I didn't do anything. <laughs> and, 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 and sometimes for us, it's just, I could have been more patient today. I could have been more kind to myself, but she'll just graze over it and say, I, I was fine today. So then I would ask her these questions of, when did you feel that you belonged or not belonged or included? And and somehow that question opens up, opens her up more and she shares a little more. And I just sort of just hold space for that time, allowing her to talk and share and then let her know that I'm I'm here with you. 
and we offer it to God. Yeah, I think what a great tool if I had had these when I was a child to like give words to those moments of not belonging, right? And say them out loud to someone else. But I think as children, we mainly just held those in and moved on and tried to figure out like what was the next way to fit in, you know? And so it's such a great, great practice to not only to reflect, of course, with the examine, but to really identify those moments where you felt left out and then give those to God as a, I'm just letting you know that this is how I felt. And I love that you don't try to like solve, solve the non-belonging or solve the left out. It's just holding, holding space for the reality of it. Cause we all have those moments. Right. I also love how mm-hmm. self-confident your daughter seems to be with, Oh, I had a great day. I did nothing wrong. <laughs> There's some good in that as well as other things. Yeah. Is there anything, so I assume these are also ways in which you help those you direct to understand their belovedness too. Yes. And uh, it's interesting when you mention about how would you talk to your <laughs> seven or six year old self. And sometimes when I'm accompanying others, it's doing a guided meditation, imagining talking to your seven or six year old self. And how would you respond at that moment? And it's so beautiful, especially for me, just to listen and witness the gentleness and compassion that they extend to themselves and and how God does all the work, to be honest with you. I'm just sitting there and <laughs> being open to whatever, to whatever God presents. Yeah, there's this nervousness or um, intimidation to say, oh yeah, I can direct another person in their spiritual life. But really it's just, you're the gateway between God talking to another person when maybe they can't hear everything that God has to say, or they don't know how to ask God more in-depth questions to be able to understand what God's trying to say to them. So yeah, I think it's I think people probably have a lot of questions when it comes to spiritual direction if they've never tried it before. So maybe this conversation is answering some of those. Um, And I like the idea. I think you said it on your website, but there's an idea of spiritual direction, but there's also the idea of spiritual companionship. So being on on the journey with others. Um, And how does your how does spiritual direction differ or or go hand in hand with the other practice that you're studying right now? Well, it's uh, similar in the aspect where it's uh, accompanying others, but also um, in this process that I'm going through, it's also learning how to work with people at, at end of life, hospice, in breath work, in coma therapy, but also asking questions as we age too. And I think it's beneficial for me. The class is called um, From Aging to Saging as well. And Hopefully, I'll, yeah. I hope to sage one day, <laughs> but I'll honor where I'm at. But um, it's the art of spiritual eldering, and it's learning how to, John Philip Newell, he said it beautifully, where he said, how can I walk more beautifully on this earth, and more gracefully? And uh, the sacred art of living, it's a community within a wide range of ages and experiences, and, and just learning from their wisdom. and hopefully um, with God along my side, guiding me towards wherever God is. And I think that's so beautiful because when we 
get into our 40s and 50s, you know, we try so many ways to not appear like we're in our 40s or 50s or not to like embrace the fact that that's where we are in life. So it's beautiful to think of this practice of saying where I am is exactly where God wants me to be. And there's some real meaning and beauty in it. And there's still so much more that God has to do Mm -hmm. within me and I have to do with the world. Uh, And so I I just Mm -hmm. think that's wonderful. I know that my 40s have been the best decade of my life in terms of like, I know who I am and I know what I, you know, am doing, but I I also am aware that like, you know, starts, parts of you start to break down once you hit 40. So um, to be able to embrace those and and see those as beautiful is, is such a great thing. So I'm glad that there's, there's a practice for not just the end of life, but all the, you know, stages leading up to it. Yes. Yes. And how there's so much more to look forward to. And with, with the different um, ages too, what I find beneficial is learning the wisdom between each decade and how in ancient history, how the elders were always a source of wisdom for, for those that are younger and how those types of communities can form too. And what would that look like in today's? Yeah. Age? Cause it's, especially in the United States, I think we are so busy and we're so plugged into so many things that we don't tend to take enough time with our elders to say, you know, what what do you have to teach us? It's more like, well, they didn't have any of the things that we have now. And so they don't understand where we're at now, you know, so re- kind of reconnecting with the knowledge that people have um, and in those conversations that are so vital that we don't always make time for. Mm-hmm. Is there anything in particular that you feel is challenging in 2023, uh, you know, in this decade, in this time to having people understand that they are loved as they are? I mentioned how um, one of the most heartbreaking obstacles is in recognizing our belovedness is our lack of self-compassion and also generational legacies that I've learned through my research where it can cast shadows over our self-worth and carrying pain that was not initially ours to begin with too. But what I found hopeful through my research was that there's healing potential in all And just as wounds can be handed down, so can resilience and strength. And I found that no matter where you begin, there's always hope. And it's recognizing the mentors, the love that is extended along the way and nurturing seeds of self-compassion that have been dormant for so long. And it is through, and it requires gentleness and acknowledging that Our worth is not defined by the scars we carry. And also in creating space and time for reflection is important as well. It might seem like a rebellion (laughs) for this day and age of um, constant connectivity, but um, in those quiet moments, we can untangle the threads and sift through our emotional inheritance with God and choose parts that we want to carry forward and also release gently what does it need to yeah. one of the along. things that uh, i know ignatian spirituality has taught me both through the spiritual exercises and also through the discernment process is that there's a real beauty in in identifying those 
that baggage that you carry, those those things that, that inevitably just by being a human being, you carry from, you know, the sins of the past or, you know, things that have happened in your family or in your community. And we tend to just kind of either ignore those or let those rule everything that we do. And there's a happy median, medium in Ignatian spirituality where you identify and kind of process and reflect on and, and walk through mm-hmm. those things with God. And then, like you said, you take what you're supposed to take with you and you let go of the things that you need to let go of. I know that there's more every year that I think, you know, I dive into Ignatian spirituality. I'm like, wow, I still haven't let that go. I still got to work on that a little bit more. <laughs> but there is so much that, yeah, it just, it gives you this space, especially when you understand that God loves you as you are. Those things that you carry, those burdens that you carry aren't obstructing that love, right? And and that makes it kind of easier mm-hmm. to let some of those things go and, and take other things forward. Yes, I agree with you. It's, it's a, it, it reminds me of like when you were just bringing it up right now, how my constant invitation is learning how to trust and, and trust it. I might've thought <laughs> that I dealt with it before, but it just comes in different forms yeah. through the decades where, Oh, I thought, okay, yeah. I'm going deeper into yeah. this. <laughs> There's an interesting, in one of my, I'm taking two classes this semester, and one of my classes every week, we have to identify like just a simple human interaction that probably went wrong, but like something that happened in our week, break it down. But at some point, we're supposed to, like, there's a whole process. At one step, we're supposed to recall something from childhood, and it doesn't have to be related to that moment. It's just something you just bring up some whatever comes to mind from childhood. And I was like, I'm not looking forward to like, this. I know that I'm going to learn like some things I need to let go and some things that I need to, you know, and we're all, you know, I'm still like self conscious. And that thing that person said to me in second grade, that's just going to come like boiling to the surface. But on the other hand, those kind of reflective processes are really like, even when we get to those minute occurrences that really did impact either how we view ourselves or how, you know, we view other people. Uh, it's just so important to bring those to the surface and in a way that, that makes sense to um, helping them, uh, helping them figure out more who we are and who God's calling us to be. And I, I, I find it beautiful, especially where it, it reminds me of how God knows me so much that he loves me so much that he wants to heal this part of my life for me. It's like, who knows me that intimately? Yeah. And that, you know, as much as I hope to forget it until, you know, it has a purpose that that God's just going to bring it up and say, no, no, you got to think about this thing again. So. And of course I'm sharing after the fact, after. I mean, I think maybe that's one of the things that's intimidating about Ignatian spirituality when you really start getting into it. It's like, oh, wait, you want me to reflect on my day every day with God, but then I'm going to see those parts of myself that weren't my best, but I'm also going to have to identify those parts of myself that I don't like, but God still loves. And I'm going to have to figure out how to love them as much as as God does. And so those, that process of reflection can be really intimidating. It's a lot easier to say, I'll just say a rosary like every day or, you know, like, but, but it's harder to say, no, I'm going to look at myself really, really closely and have God look at myself too. And I'm going to figure out how to make this relationship better. And, 
And I love it where it's like a good friendship where if, if we're just talking about, like you mentioned, the rosary and just go over the surface topics, our relationship can't deepen. But if, but if God wants to get close to me and if I reveal myself in this way, as with any other relationship in our lives, when we kind of let go of the curtains and just allow ourselves to be, depth grows from that. And we're able to be stronger. Yeah, and I feel like I should say for my listeners who have a devotion to the rosary, the church, the Catholic church is a both and. And so, you know, the rosary is important too. Of course, of course. Uh, The rosary is important too. Uh, Yes, yes, rosary is important. Yes. But I think sometimes that I can use that as an excuse of if I just say this rote prayer, if I just like pause when my school is praying for, for a couple of minutes, then I can check the box that I've done what, you know, I'm supposed to do with my relationship with God. It's a lot harder to say, I got to actually tell God what's going on, even though God already knows, and then like try and and dissect that and have that conversation. And to know that that's going to be an ongoing conversation as well. Yes. And, And there's something to it where God knows, but when it comes out of our mouth, it makes it more real too. Maybe it's also kind <laughs> like, of like a parent knows, like I know when my son needs to say something to me, yes. but until he says it, then it's just not, that relationship isn't there. If I'm guessing that you're doing this, that's not the same as you having that conversation with uh-huh. me. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Tan, this has been so wonderful having this conversation with you. And I don't often get to meet someone for the first time and having a podcast conversation. So that's great. I'm so glad this was a way to get introduced to you and for you to introduce yourself to our listeners. Um, I know they can find you in two different places. Can you tell us once again, where those websites are, what those websites are? Of course, um, spiritual companionship is through sd.tamlontalk.com. And um, my photography is just tamlontalk.com. I'm on Instagram as well. So it's uh, SD uh, Tam Lontalk yeah. and it's also T Lontalk. I do it's find that Instagram account. is both yes. the best place for photography as well as anything spiritual in terms of conversation and some of some of the other ones that, you know, yeah. can get heated fast and it's harder to have a spiritual conversation. In yeah. That, so. Yeah, I hope this is not the last time we have a conversation about Ignatian spirituality or being loved as you are. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you, Gretchen, for your time and yes, and sharing of yourself too. hope you enjoyed this conversation with Tam. I especially loved learning about her incorporation of Western and Eastern religion and culture into her spirituality. I was drawn to the story of her parents' journey to America and the way that the Jesuits have been a part of her life since her baptism, spanning continents as well as decades of her experience. Do you think you or someone you know has a story about being loved as you are that would fit with this podcast? If so, please reach out to me and let me know by emailing me at lovedasyouarepod at gmail.com. You can find out more about Tam by checking out the website she mentioned and following her on Instagram. Links to all are in the show notes. I have another exciting guest coming your way next week. But for now, remember to be who you are. 
because that's exactly who God wants you to be. on a tax return hopefully it ends up in your hands fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30 percent in 2023 if you're in a bind this tax season lifelock can help our u.s-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues and all lifelock plans are backed by the million dollar protection package so we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft help protect your information this tax season with lifelock save up to 25 percent your first year at lifelock.com aware You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.